All right, we're looking at lesson 13, Commitment Makes a Difference. <clears throat> and we'll get into Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 24. Acts 20, <clears throat> 17 to 24. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was committed. He was a com committed Christian, and uh, he, he was not uh, disappointed, yes, but not um, uh, discouraged to the point of quitting when others weren't as committed as him. Uh, Demas hath forsaken saken me, having loved this present world. And others, no man stood with me, he said, there were several times when Paul found himself all by himself, but his commitment was not founded upon how many people are with me. And sometimes that's where we're at. We're kind of like, okay, this is getting tough, but who's here? Okay, I'm not alone. All right, we can do this thing. Uh, it's tougher, though, when you look around and there's nobody left. Um, what, what kinds of things to you demonstrate commitment? And before you answer that, think about that. Uh, maybe at the job place, um, maybe uh, at, uh, at school or wherever you are, what do you look for with commitment? I know um, I was a, a basketball coach for a little bit here, Coach Samuel's team, and uh, Upward Basketball is a good league and uh, had Christian values and so forth. And uh, some kids would be on their school team and their travel team, and then they would still sign up for Upward as a third team. And I'm thinking, who has time for that? Uh, you know, they've got all these games and all these practices, and they still sign up for Upward. And that's because, I guess, they looked at their schedule and were like, wow, we're not playing enough basketball. Uh, we got to make sure we play enough. And so I, I, my team was, for some of these guys, their third team. And I knew a couple things. I knew that they would be really good because they play more than anybody else. And their parents are just that into it. But I also knew I wouldn't be able to count on them. That's just the way it goes. I'm the third team. So uh, they didn't come to my practice. They came into my game once in a while. And uh, some of them were really good. But I don't care how good you are if I look at the bench and you're not there. And some of the parents felt bad and they'd apologize. Sorry, he had a travel thing. And oh, we had practice over here. We had to go to a tournament. Hey, do what you want. That's fine. It's just I can't play you when you're not here. Um, so there's a lot of things we look at with commitment, but what do you look, what do you look for? What demonstrates in your mind commitment? What are some things that come to mind? 
demonstrates commitment. Yes, sir. Yeah. Attitude. Attitude. That's the first thing I wrote down. Man, you've been looking at my page. <laughs> no, but yeah, sure, attitude. Yes. Perseverance. Perseverance. That no quit determination. Yes. Gratefulness. Gratefulness. Absolutely. Yeah. You're grateful to be a part of whatever this is and you've bought in. Yeah. Oh, faithfulness. Okay. And that's on my list too. Faithfulness. Uh, kind of like my coaching illustration. You know, the kids who were there, they got more playing time. Communication. Communication. If the communication is difficult, making the effort to do the communicating. That's good. That's good. Because if you're committed and say, uh, you're sick or you can't do what you had committed to do. Pick up the phone and make sure that you, you don't drop the ball. I'm committed to this. I can't do this, but it's got to go on. Someone's got to do this. I'm going to communicate here, communicate there. Very good. Yeah. Yes, sir. Dependable. Dependable. Yep. You can count on an individual who is committed. Anything else? <clears throat> yes, sir. Going the extra mile. Going the extra mile. I like that. And that, that would, to me, demonstrate that they have committed to the point that there's some ownership. And, and this is my thing. I'm going to go all in. Excellent. These are good. Any other thoughts come to mind? What are you looking for, with commit for uh, to, to, to see that someone is committed? True commitment. Uh, I think you hit all the ones that I put on here, except for a couple. Uh, sacrifice. I think sometimes... Uh, commitment requires some sacrifice and you say boy I committed to do this and now I realize that this is really tough and I really don't have the time but I want to see this through because I'm committed to it right uh, so sacrifice I also put down focus when I'm committed to something I'm going to focus on that and not let distractions pull me this way and that. Uh, uh, someone who's a student trying to get good grades, committed to good, getting good grades, is going to focus in, hone in. <clears throat> all these things have been good, and all of these things really remind us of the commitment the Apostle Paul had, and uh, uh, we want to, as Christians, strive for this. Uh, we we uh, go through these lessons, and of course they've been written whenever they were written. This was written back in, I don't know when the date was, but uh, probably 10 years ago. And you never know how it's going to hit with what we're going through. Uh, but it's always timely, it seems. The Lord always uses these lessons. And as I look at 2022, and we're just getting started, uh, we're closing out this group of lessons with this theme of commitment making a difference and as I look forward to 2022, <clears throat> I don't have to know what is around the corner in order to be committed to Christ, to be able to be committed to his work. Uh, because it'd be nice to know everything's going to be good, it's all going to work out, you're going to be fine, and just go ahead and commit. Uh, but when it comes to committing to Christ and committing to his work and his service, uh, we're committing to him. We don't know what 2022 is going to look like, but we know what he looks like. We know who he is. We know what his word says. And so we can commit regardless. And that's what the apostle Paul did. He did not commit because he knew how it was going to go. He commit, committed because he knew who he had believed. And he was persuaded that he was able to keep him against that day. 
uh, definition here for you. <clears throat> Commitment is the state of being bound emotionally or intellectually to an ideal or course of action. That's Webster's. Uh, the state of being bound emotionally or intellectually to an ideal or course of action. Psalm 16:8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Commitment. He's before me and I'm not going anywhere. I'm following him. I will not be moved. A person bound to an object cannot move from that object. Uh, if you're handcuffed to something, you're going where it goes, right? Uh, so Paul bound himself to the work of God. He bound himself to the will of God. And we want to learn from his life here tonight. So three aspects here uh, concerning commitment. <clears throat> Number one, we'll look at Paul's attitude. He said, none of these things move me. Sometimes I want to sit down with Paul and say, seriously? <laughs> Are you, did you really mean that? Like nothing, none of these things move you? When you read in the book of Acts what he dealt with, what he faced, it's hard, to, it's hard to imagine that nothing moved him. And I'm sure he's human like everybody else. I'm sure he felt fear. I'm sure he felt some anxiety with the uncertainties. He felt pain. I know he, 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 he didn't enjoy being beat, beaten. Uh, but bottom line, though he may have felt those things, none of them moved him. For some of us, we are good until the first sign of trouble. We're good until it hurts. Ah, uh, first little bit of pain or discomfort, and whoa, 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 I did not sign up for this. What did we sign up for as Christians? Yes. Everything. <laughs> sure. I mean, the, the, the servant is not above his Lord. Isn't that what the Bible says? The servant is not above his Lord, uh, but we will be as our master. I'm not quoting that quite right. But where he went, we should be ready to go. What he did, uh, the path he trod, uh, yeah, we signed up for, yes. There's that play about counting the cost. Before you go to war, count the cost. And I, I've often thought that, you know, eight children in, what, I, I, how could I have counted? How, how could I have counted the cost? I didn't know the cost. But the cost at the beginning, when we sign up to follow Jesus, is everything. Amen. Just, <laughs> absolutely. He gives us everything, too. So, I mean, we, we do sign up for everything, but the provision is all there, and he gives us what we need. Uh, Paul, he, he's, in a sense, signed a blank check. Lord, I'll go where you want me to go, and I'll do what you want me to do. And he had no idea that he would be crawling out of a pile of stones. They stoned him to death and left him for dead. He had no idea that he'd be whipped 40 times, save one, however many times that was that that happened. Um, he had no idea about the shipwrecks and everything else going on, but that was not the deal breaker. I think sometimes we, we want to know exactly what's going to happen. We want to see down the road. We want to talk with the Lord a little bit. Okay, Lord, I would love to serve you, but what is this going to mean for me? As opposed to, Lord, I trust you. I know, I, I know you love me. I will go where you want me to go. Paul's attitude was, none of these things move me, and I don't want you to see this as cocky. None of these things move me. I'm a man's man. You know, this is not macho. This is not an ego trip. He is saying this uh, soberly. None of these things move me. He is, he is just saying, uh, I am all in. 
and circumstances are not going to deter me out of the way. Someone has said the test of your commitment is identifying what it takes to stop you. You know, um, we, I was involved for a little bit uh, with the Celine Community Orchestra. Tons of fun. I would love to get back into it. Uh, they shut it down when COVID happened, and I think they've now opened it back up. I've not gotten back involved. Uh, but um, we were all committed. It was mostly older folks. I was probably the youngest guy by about 30 years, <laughs> something like that. Um, but it was so much fun, the sweetest people. And we'd play and practice. Um, everyone's committed, but if it snowed, it ain't happening. <laughs> You know, you've got an orchestra full of people who are probably the average age was 70, I'm going to guess. And uh, if it snows, it's just not happening. We're committed to a point. And that's where, no, this is not going to work anymore. Uh, with the Apostle Paul, he was just committed, period. And uh, he was willing to trust the Lord. So uh, letter A, he would not allow adverse circumstances to move him. He would not allow adverse circumstances to move him. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons, more frequent in deaths oft of the Jews. Oh, there it is, five times. Five times I received 40 stripes save one. I can't even imagine that. 40 stripes save one, so 39 stripes. That happened to him five times. Thrice, was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I su suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. And he goes on. And weariness and painfulness and watchings often. Watchings, what does that mean? Sitting up late at night. Maybe because he can't sleep. Maybe because he has the watch. And watchings often uh, in hunger and in thirst. In fastings often in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. You know, it's probably a good thing that we don't know everything that's coming down the road or we just might not sign up because we're, we're weak. We, our, our faith is, is small many times. But Paul had learned that the winds of adversity were not going to blow him off course. Now, I think we ought to get real with this tonight and just think, you know, what have we been through recently since 2020 came? Uh, along came the COVID virus, and all the variations have come from that. And then there has been uh, political upheaval and uh, all sorts of division in, in, in America. It seems like we are more divided than I can remember in my lifetime. It's like we are dividing over everything. Social division, social unrest, and political, and uh, news media just seemingly purposefully trying to stir us up and divide us over everything. And, and it's caused stress for us. It's caused uncertainty and discomfort. And all of these things combined has affected everybody. It's certainly affected our churches. Um, but I'm not trying to diminish what anybody's been through 
uh, what I've been through. But when I compare it to this list, I don't know. <laughs> it just it doesn't seem to be half as bad. Um, yeah, I haven't liked the coronavirus any more than anybody else. Our family has had it twice now, and it's no fun. But I can't go toe-to-toe with Paul. You know, what would mine look like? Twice I had the coronavirus and was quarantined for a total of whatever, how many days, and, you know, and then my stock market went down the tubes here recently, and that stunk, and uh, you know, it's been a, bad, a couple of bad years here in America with division and this and that and the other thing. It's made it tougher for pastors and tougher for churches and tougher to do what we're trying to do. And bottom line, my list doesn't look anything like this. Now, some of you have gone through a lot worse things than me. Uh, worse health problems, worse uh, trials and, and so forth. But my point is simply this. If circumstances are a way out of being committed to Christ his word, his work, his church, our ministry in reaching this world, then Paul certainly had a pass. He had a whole paragraph full of passes. He didn't take any pass. That's the whole point. Commitment is, it, it rises above and pushes through the adverse circumstances. He would not allow adverse circumstances to move him. Uh, someone, could someone look up Hebrews 6.19 and somebody else 1 Corinthians 10.4? Uh, Hebrews 6.19, somebody just flag me down. Bible, Bible sword drill. Go! <clears throat> Who's got Hebrews 6.19? All right, Brad. And then somebody else 1 Corinthians 10.4. Anchor Amen. An anchor of the soul. How did Paul not let the winds of adversity blow him off course? He had an anchor. He had an anchor. He was anchored to the rock. Jesus Christ, he knew he, who he was serving. He knew who he was committed to. Uh, who has 1 Corinthians 10 for? Yes, sir. And did all drink the same spiritual drink? And they drank this uh, spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. There it is. That rock. We have to be committed to, anchored to, the rock, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. It's tough, the things that we face. It is tough, uh, and, and, and uh, there have been huge trials that some of you have gone through recently health trials and otherwise how are we going to get through it the inward man must be renewed day by day uh, psalm 62 6 says he only is my rock and my salvation he is my defense i shall not be moved our commitment folks is not to serve jesus in the midst of a certain set of circumstances. Our commitment is to serve Jesus, period. Regardless of the circumstances, and if we anchor ourselves to the rock, the, the winds of, of, of adversity can blow, but we'll be okay. A guy named William Hutchinson Murray was an internationally recognized mountain climber in Europe uh, before 
and after World War II, and he was imprisoned during World War II uh, uh, by the Nazis. And he, uh, he wrote a book and explained commitment in this way. Until I am committed, there is hesitancy, a chance to draw back. But the moment I definitely commit myself, then God moves me also, and a whole stream of events erupts. All manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, persons, and material assistance, which I could never have dreamed would have come my way, begin to flow toward me the moment I make a commitment. I think commitment, you could say, uh, you know, it's like faith. When I commit, I'm stepping out by faith and saying, Lord, here I am. Uh, I need your grace. And faith always is, is, is that which accesses grace. Letter B, he would not allow the attacks of critics to move him. Now, this is one that I definitely relate to. I, mean, I, I related to the other one as well. Adverse circumstances that can certainly move me. But the attacks of critics can really get through and, and, uh, and be troublesome. Living for God without apology will sometimes make you a target of ridicule. And Paul was no exception to that. He was, he was a, a target of ridicule and, uh, by Christians and non-Christians alike. And some Christians have buckled under the pressure. <clears throat> the pressure to stand alone, remain committed. In many of Paul's letters, Paul found it necessary to defend himself. Have you noticed that? Second Corinthians especially. He defends himself from his critics. These were people who were converts of his, and now they're questioning his motives, his integrity, his doctrine, and so forth. In Acts 21, 27, it says, When the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him. He had, he had people at every turn who were trying to uh, take him down. 2 Timothy 4, 16, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. I love that. And strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Critics, words. You know, some people are wired we're all wired different, okay? Some people, words just don't seem to get through to them as much, for good or for bad. <laughs> Others, words just make them crumple. And uh, I know for me personally, uh, I'm probably more susceptible to uh, uh, critics uh, uh, having an impact on me. Um, and that has been something that I have had to really be aware of in my life because I love people and I, I want to please people. I think I'm probably more of a pleaser by nature and being the second, the, the, the second born of four, I was, I was wanting everybody to be happy. Nate, are you happy? Matt, Dan, are you happy? Oh, good. I'm happy. We're all happy. You know, hey. And uh, so then when you have people who aren't happy, who are, hey, you did this and you did that. Well, I, I just want to fix it. Let's just make it happy. Can we be happy? And sometimes you have to say, we're just not all going to be happy on this, it looks like. I have to stand with the Lord. I have to do right. I have to stand humbly, and I have to stand with love, but I have to stand. I'd love for us to be able to get along, but maybe we can't get along on this one, but I have to be willing to say, critic or no critic, we've got to do what's right here. 
Author unknown in this next quote, but it's a good one. It's human to stand with the crowd, but it's divine to stand alone. It's man-like to follow the people and drift with the tide, but it's God-like to follow the principle and to stem the tide. It's natural to compromise conscience and follow the social and religious fashion for the sake of gain and pleasure, but it's divine to sacrifice both on the altar of truth and duty. Moving in the opposite direction of the mainstream is going to always cause friction. That's okay. When you, when you encounter in, uh, adverse circumstances or the attacks of critics, you are traveling the same way Christ went. Don't look for the exit. Follow the Lord. So he would not allow the attacks of critics to move him. Why is it? Any thoughts on this? Why is it that the critics can get it through to us and shake our commitment so effectively. Any thoughts on that? What is it about a critic over here? Maybe a guy who has never done anything. <laughs> Maybe a guy who's never been committed to anything, never taken a risk, and yet he just over here, mouth in his mouth, and it just, just bothers us. What is it about criticism? What? Our, our flesh. Our flesh just is pulled into that? Certainly. Yeah. Yes. Um, I feel like we don't take well the challenge of our goodness, our good intent, and our competence. And like those are like gloves off issues. It's really, it's really a respect issue. I think that's what you're saying. Kind of, they're they're challenging your. Say it again. Your your competence. Yeah, someone challenges your competence or your intent, that feels disrespectful. And, and for many of us, yeah, that gets your dander up right off the bat. And then we're pulled, we're pulled that direction. Have you thought about this one? We talk about the, the five love languages. Uh, boy, can I name them? Um, there's, uh, let's see, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service and gifts. I think I got the, all five. Uh, hon, did you hear that? I got all five. Uh, she's, she's, uh, she's writing notes. <laughs> okay, if you're, hey, so mine, mine is, what did we decide it was? We took the test and all that. Words of affirmation and quality time, I believe. If one of your love languages is words of affirmation and critics are not affirming you, that bothers you. And I guess I can see that fr uh, just from firsthand perspective. Uh, you're, you're looking to be affirmed. Uh, that's maybe uh, something that, that uh, it's your love language or whatever. Uh, and, and so uh, it, can, it can cause more of a, of a, of a distraction uh, because uh, you're looking for a different response. Other thoughts on this? Why is it that criticism? Yes? I thought they were cheerleaders. I thought somebody criticized and told me I can't do it, then I got to go ahead and try to do it anyway. <laughs> yes, yeah. You know, and that's the, that's the beauty of how we're made up so differently. You know, um, on the basketball, yeah. No, 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 that's not weird. On the basketball court, I was more like, like that. My coach would get in my face, and I'd come out of that timeout like a lion, just ready to go. There's another guy on my team the coach would get in his face and he would crumple, just implode. He'd be done for the game. Might as well put him on the bench. Um, it just, we responded totally different to that. Yeah. 
us that know sports and grew up in sports knows that that that's where that commitment is developed. For me, it was but anyways. Being part of a sports team developed and, and, and pursued that and gave me a worth ethic that I carried on the rest of well. Until <laughs> You still got it. <laughs> and I'm so appreciative of, of that to, to teach you how commitment to the team, commitment to the sport, yes. and, and, and then to work hard, and, and then there's a goal yes. that you're looking for. Yeah, athletics can help teach commitment for sure. Yes, right. That's what you totally commit to, but for right. the season it was, it was good for me. Amen. And I think I, I had a similar experience. Anyone else? Anything on, on the matter of critics? Yes. Um, there's an endless supply of critics, and it's got thick skin. It's like, well, you're going to have to wait in line like everybody else. And, you know, there's an endless supply. You can't, you know, feed everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's my thought on that. Absolutely. And have you noticed with, with social media now, it's so easy to criticize everything? You know, a quick 15 second click, 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 and you've just sounded off on whatever. Uh, and sometimes we let all of those criticisms just pile up on us. And we need to have the, have the same mindset as the Apostle Paul. None of these things move me. I'm not going to let critics or circumstances slow me down. I know who I'm committed to. Going back to the sports thing, uh, I was very committed to my basketball coach and, and basketball in general. And I was willing to just do anything it took. And uh, I, could, I could block out what I needed to block out. I could get focused because I wanted something so bad. And for some of us, maybe if we're not committed to the right things, committed to the Lord, his work, his word, uh, maybe we don't want it enough. Maybe we need to really look at our heart and ask the Lord for help in that regard. All right, let's look at number two. Paul's abandon. We saw number one was Paul's attitude. Number two, Paul's abandon. He said, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Wow. That's amazing. That's, that is not normal. That's not human nature. All of us by nature are self-centered. Look out for number one. Technically, number one should be Jesus, by the way. <laughs> um, that's not how we use the phrase. But Paul lived his life with abandon. What comes to mind when you think of abandon? What are we talking about? Paul's abandon. What comes to mind here? What are we referring to when we refer to his abandon? Left behind. Left behind. Okay, yeah, to leave something behind. Yep. And so in this case, Paul is leaving his own selfish desires behind, his own whims and passions behind, or, or his own comfort behind. Very good. Yep. What else comes to mind with abandon? He served the Lord with abandon. What does that mean? I mean, that covered a lot of it, what, what our brother just said. But anything to get the gospel out. Anything to do the, get the gospel out short of sin, right? <laughs> Amen. Uh, yes, anything else come to mind? The word abandon can can have, uh, in this context, uh, kind of a, 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 um, a sense of recklessness. But I'm not promoting recklessness. I'm not saying that Paul was reckless. But depending on your perspective, 
some have oftentimes confused abandon to Christ as recklessness, okay? For instance, a young couple wants to go to the mission field. Grandma and grandpa are like, what? You're going to the mission field? You've only been married for a year. And and what about our grandkids? And what about Christmas? And whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just go over to the mission field. That's, this is so reckless. Well, it looks reckless from their perspective, but from the individual's perspective, they are going over with abandonment to Christ. They are abandoning those other comforts and desires and following all. It's the idea of uh, the disciples. They forsook all and followed him. Uh, Well, let's look at his motive for abandon. His motive, letter A, was others. Uh, The book here says, Abandon means dedicating my life to Jesus Christ and to others he has called me to serve or reach. Abandon means forgetting about my own personal needs or desires and seeking the good of others. Abandoning my thought of self for my thought of others and Christ. Mark 8.35 Somebody like to read that? I think it's in the notes there. I'll get a few other voices so that the folks who are live streaming can hear your voice and it will make their day. Yes, Paul. Mark 8.35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels the same shall find it. And that is counterintuitive to the human brain. I mean, without Christ, you look at that, you're like, whoa, 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 say that again. What in the world does that mean? But if you have the Lord, you know what he's saying. This is a beautiful verse. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. In other words, uh, I've got to do things my way. I've got to take care of myself. Uh, no, no, no. If you lose your life in Christ, he, he's going to give you life. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake in the gospel, the same shall save it. In other words, you're, you're abandoning uh, your human desire, your human thinking, if you will, and, and uh, exchanging your life for his. Uh, a veteran Coast Guard officer in Florida gave the command for one of his new recruits to follow him to the rescue boat. And the new recruit said, but sir, the storm, I mean, it's so large. We may never come back. And the officer said, our duty is not to come back. Our duty is to go out and rescue, attempt to rescue. And that, uh, that can be hard to get your head around. <laughs> you know, but that is the duty and praise the Lord for the Coast Guard and uh, the, the stories of the amazing rescues and the amazing sacrifices. They have not always come back, but they recognized their duty and they were committed. What was their ab- uh, ab- abandonment to? They were abandoned to their cause, the cause of rescuing others. And yes, to us, the Coast Guard might seem reckless, right? You're going out in What? Oh, those people, I'm sure they're dead. I'm sure they're not coming back. Yeah, no, there's, no, there's no way. No, we're going out, and we're going to bring them back. Uh, that's what we Christians are doing in a spiritual sense. Uh, let's go on to letter B, his method of abandon. His method of abandon. His method is the method that we must follow as well, and that is death to self. Paul said it a lot of different ways. First Corinthians fifteen thirty one, he said, "I die daily." He said in Galatians two twenty, let's get somebody to read that. Who wants to read that? Galatians two twenty. 
Rebecca? If you read the writings of the Apostle Paul and you were not a Christian and you heard how much he talked about himself dying, you might be like, this guy has a weird, morbid obsession. Or is this guy suicidal? What is wrong with this fella? He talks about putting death to flesh and uh, the flesh to death and and uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And all of this about I die daily. Uh, why? Partly because he was trying to stay committed to Christ. And the more alive he was with his desires and his this and his that, his direction, it would go contrary to uh, his commitment to Christ. Interesting quote here by President Harry Truman. <clears throat> he says, In reading the lives of great men, I found the, great, the first great victory these men won was over themselves. Death to self. Amy Carmichael was someone that God mightily used. And if you've not read anything about Amy Carmichael, you should look, look her up. Uh, she's been, her testimony has been a blessing to many. But she would help uh, neglected and abused children in the mission field of India and did so for 56 years without a furlough. Think about that. Uh, not coming home at all for 56 years. And she wrote this. <clears throat> she wrote, God hardened me against myself, the coward with pathetic voice, who craves for ease and rest and joy. Myself, arch traitor to myself my hollowest friend, my deadliest foe, my clog, whatever road I go. She understood. She understood that her need was the same need as the Apostle Paul. I die daily. I will say I have to concur that uh, my abandon to Christ, my commitment to Christ is derailed more often by myself than it is some external circumstance. It's me. It's right here, my heart. And I have to continually look to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. I want to be that living sacrifice surrendered to you. I want to be transformed into your image. So his method of abandon was a death to self. Uh, the motive of abandon was uh, others and serving the Lord and others. Let her see his model for abandon was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was Paul's model, and that is the same model we have today. Matthew twenty twenty eight. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Even the Son of Man. Even the Lord Jesus Christ, the Creator, the Savior, didn't come to see how much ministry He could receive. He came to give His life to others. And He asked us to do the same. Luke chapter 9, 23. Somebody want to read that one? Luke 9, 23. Yes, sir. And He said to them all, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. Take up his cross daily. There's that death thing again. Boy, what is this? The more alive our desires, our flesh is, it seems to run contrary to what God's desires are for us. 
if we're going to come after Christ, we're going to follow His road. Where did His road lead? It led to the cross. And He says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. God knew that this would be a daily battle. This is again another reason, I'll come back to this drum for a minute, another reason to, to try to take time every day in the Word and in prayer. Every day, have your own personal devotional time with the Lord. And pray right off the bat, Lord, these are the struggles that I have. Help me with this and this and this. Be specific. You have not because you ask not. And some of us were struggling with a besetting sin or a certain thought pattern or a certain behavior that's been there for so long. But have you really prayed about it? Have you ever written it down and put your finger on it and said, Lord, help me with this. I want to die daily to this issue. God will do a work if we will uh, have that kind of focus in our prayer. The work of the Lord comes before our personal comfort. Someone who's committed understands the matter of abandonment to Christ. So we saw Paul's attitude. None of these things move me. Circumstances, let them come, let them go. It's not going to move me. That's my attitude. I am committed, anchored to the rock. Well, what about Paul's abandon? I'm not counting my life dear unto myself. I love him. I love others. I'm going to die to self, and I'm going to follow Christ's model. Letter number three, <clears throat> Paul's aim. Paul's aim, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. To finish his course with joy. You know, one thing I appreciate, appreciate about Paul was he was looking down the road. He was looking at where is this all going to go? Where are we going to end with this? And he was thinking about the last chapter primarily. As they always say, it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. I've been involved in a few 5Ks, uh, organized 5Ks. And it is funny to me how when that gun sounds, everybody, the, the inexperienced people, sprint. Nobody sprints a 5K. But if you've ever trained for it and if you don't know what you're doing, there they go. I was at a church, and this one local church put on their own 5K, and it was a decent amount of people that came out, and none of them had trained. This is just a, any old run-of-the-mill Baptist church. All these folks come out to run a 5K. No one's trained. It was a hot August day, and we ran at like 1 o'clock. Who dreamed that up? There was a lot of people getting sick, but we'll, we'll get past that. But I remember that, that gun went off, and all the teenage boys just like... Poof. I passed every one of those guys, and they were just gassed. And, you know, they didn't know what, what it was about. It's a 5K. You've got to pace yourself a little bit. Um, they were all faster than me. They're better runners than me, but they burned themselves out. It's not about how you start as much as it is how you finish. And Paul, he had his eye on the finish line. Uh, the goal, letter A, the goal of Paul's aim so that I might finish my course with joy. Many people start well, but few finish well. I was, um, uh, it was a couple years ago, and uh, I, I heard of a pastor who had quit 
the ministry and quit the church with some kind of a scandal, and I don't remember the details of it. And uh, I, I, back at that time, I don't, I'm not into this so much now, but back at that time, I was uh, very much into this pastor's forum online and pastors talking about all kinds of stuff. And so several guys were weighing in on the situation. And one of the, the men that I respected, he, he just wrote, he said, how many pastors have built a ministry that was larger than their character could handle or, or, or could sustain. I think that's what it was. I uh, built a ministry larger than their character could sustain. And I said, oh, Lord, help me. I don't want to build a ministry that looks great and that's large and we're going great guns, but it's larger than my character and my integrity can sustain. We're just, we're not, this isn't a sprint, folks. Church, ministry, family, service. It's not a sprint. It is a long haul. It is a long distance race. Uh, Rick Mears, I don't know this guy, but he's an Indy 500 race car driver, evidently, said to finish first, you must first finish. That's pretty basic, but you're not going to finish first if you don't finish and when we, when we think about uh, the Christian life, we have all seen people just drop, drop out of the race. What are some things that keep us from finishing strong? I'm sure it's very open-ended, but, but uh, what, what are some things that, that keep us from writing that last chapter and finishing our course with joy? What are some thoughts that come to mind? Yes. Simple as taking your eyes off the Lord, and as soon as that happens, it's like... Yeah, absolutely. Taking your eyes off the Lord. That reminds me of another, another race I was in. Uh, I was following a group of people, because it was through Chicago, and I thought, I could get lost down here. They had signs and markers, but there was the 5K, the 10K, the marathon, the half marathon, and you had to catch the right marker, or you were in a different race. And... I, I followed some people and I made sure it was right and we finished and everything was good. But I remember watching a group that went off the wrong direction and I knew they were 5K people and I don't know where they ended up. But yeah, you get your eyes, you get your eyes off of who you're supposed to be following and who knows where you're going to end up. Other th wh why else? Why else do we not finish? There's one in the book I'll get to. One, yes. Discouragement. Discouragement, Absolutely. Discouragement's a big one. Huge. Any others? Well, I'm going to get into a reason for discouragement, and <clears throat> that's in the book here. It's failure. We all fail. We are all human. We are all sinners saved by grace. And so we fail, and then discouragement comes in, and then we're hardening ourselves, and the devil's the accuser of the brethren, and he's just ready to pounce and we start believing what he says. So we'll talk about failure for a, min for a minute. If we're going to finish with this aim of finishing the course with joy, we can't let our failures cause us to get discouraged and drop out of the race. Um, one, one author wrote, when it comes to failure for the Christian, he must realize four things. Four things about failure. Number one, God expects it. In other words, it doesn't take him by surprise. A couple of verses you can look up on that. Uh, Psalm 103, verse 14, and Hebrews 4, 15. But God knows that we're going to fail. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and rises yet again. 
Sometimes we think when we fail that, oh no, God, you know, God's upset with me and, and, and I can't get back on, on, on track. No, God expects it. He understands. And God forgives it. He forgives it. Isaiah 30, verse 18. And not only does God forgive our failures, but he uses our failures. You see that in Jonah. Jonah was a failure, but God forgave him, and then God used him, and used him to be the mouthpiece to bring about repentance in an entire city of Nineveh. Failure on Jonah's part was not the end. We've got to remember this. Failure as a parent, failure as a, for me, a a pastor, failure as a spouse is not the end if you'll keep your focus on the Lord. He expects it, he forgives it, he uses it, and he will see past it. Hebrews 11. What is Hebrews 11? We call Hebrews 11 the hall of faith. Who's in the hall of faith? A bunch of failures. A bunch of people with sin problems and and wipeouts. But they got up, they kept looking at the Lord, the righteous man falls seven times and rises yet again. They got forgiven, they got refocused, revived, and off they went, and they kept walking by faith. Their commitment did not get destroyed, and God used them. A hero is no braver than any ordinary man, but he is brave five minutes longer. (laughs) I like that. Sometimes we put people up on a pedestal. The Hebrews 11 Christians up on this pedestal. Truth is, they failed too. But they trusted the Lord and were committed and remained faithful. The goal of Paul's aim, that he would finish his course with joy. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 4, 7. Let's look at the giver of Paul's aim. The giver of Paul's aim. <clears throat> the ministry, he says, it says, which... I have received of the Lord Jesus. Our calling and commitment comes, our calling to commitment comes directly from our Savior Jesus Christ. And our response must be that of faith in that, in that, in that calling. Uh, Paul writes, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He recognized who was the giver of this aim, and he was going to press toward that to apprehend that. Let us see the greatness of Paul's aim. He says to testify... The gospel of the grace of God. To testify the gospel of the grace of God. Telling folks the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, salvation by grace through faith. This is something that we should as Christians commit ourselves to. Through any adverse circumstances. Yes, there are challenges in society. We still have to be committed. We have to, we have to see God use us Uh, This is a crisis time where the church should be alive and the gospel should be going out with freedom. Brethren, Romans 10.1, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Is that your heart's desire and prayer for your neighbors, for your family, for your friends, for your co-workers, uh, for this area that our church would be mobilized to reach people? 
I'm praying, Lord, help us to be better at this in 2022 and to get back uh, really uh, doing the Great Commission and doing it well. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. This was the greatness of his aim. I want to see people saved by the grace of God, for the glory of God. And that's what caused the commitment. You know, if their commitment is not there, we have to back up and ask ourselves why. Maybe the commitment is not there because the care is not there. We just don't really care as much as we should about the same. You know, there are many, many, many causes that you can commit your life to. Many causes. You can get involved in all sorts of clubs and institutions and whatever, boards. His cause is the greatest cause. Our cause is on the wall back here. Exalt Christ, advance the church, nurture families, and engage the world. To lift up Christ, to see his church advancing changing lives, reaching souls, that is a cause worth committing to. It's not just the cause of Ann Arbor Baptist Church. It's the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ that Ann Arbor Baptist Church is a part of. And I'm asking us to prayerfully consider, are we committed to that cause, or do we need to uh, look to the Lord about increasing that depth of commitment to His cause? Regardless of your career field, regardless of where you live, you have an opportunity to be a part of this aim, this great aim to see people saved. Well, let's conclude with this. For, uh, for, what per, for what particular purpose has God called you? What has he given you to, to accomplish? Being a godly spouse, godly parent, a soul winner, a servant in the church, a Bible student, a prayer warrior, whatever it is, we need to realize that it is from him and commit ourselves to it wholeheartedly. Circumstances aside, none of these things move me. I'm going I'm to follow the Lord. Uh, the, the book closes with an illustration from the Alamo. And I'm sure you're familiar with that story. Outnumbered, they sent many times for reinforcements, and they finally realized reinforcements would not be coming. And as the story goes, uh, General William B. Travis was forced to deliver the news to his, his group that help is not going to come. Our fate is sealed. Within a very few days, perhaps a few hours, we must all be in eternity. This is our destiny. It, that would be a, a, quite a day, wouldn't it, to, to have those words sink in and know we're going to fight right here and we're going to die. He explained that escape was still possible. That was possible. But for myself, I will fight as long as there is breath in my body. Then he drew a line in the sand, and he said, I want every man who is determined to stay here with me and die to cross this line. And all of them did, except for one who was a, a paid mercenary. And uh, that individual allegedly uh, fled because the commitment was not there. He was there for the money. These guys were there because of a cause. Texas and freedom and liberty. And the question posed here at the end of this lesson is simply this. 
I wonder if Jesus Christ were to draw a line in the sand with his sword and ask for my commitment, would I cross it if I knew it meant everything? Paul, we know what his answer is. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Oh, but Paul, it's dangerous. Did you know if you serve the Lord the way you're planning to serve the Lord, you could, you could die shipwreck and all this stuff i mean you could die and your loved ones could die paul says i understand that but i am following the lord jesus and i'm committed to him and uh, and he's the one i'm wanting to please may god help us and may god enable us by his strength and his grace to remain committed to him uh, it's a new year it's exciting to think of what god has in store and I'm prayerful that we will be faithful and, and follow him and his commitment. Anyone have anything they'd like to share or a, a comment, question before we close in prayer? Yes, Brad. I've uh, been to a couple of like, anniversaries of churches of maybe a, a pastor in the pulpit for 30 years or just recently, right? Our church celebrated 40 years. And um, just the resounding takeaway from those two times for God this must be. Amen. God is worth it. I like it. The thing about commitment is, is when God gets involved with it, you, you have a personal relationship with God that you know you committed something. I love the quote that you said about how he brings people in your lives and, uh, yeah. and, and you just see God working in your life from you just committed to something. You can't really do it, but Lord, I'm here and I'll do it. And then he, he sort of takes over and brings brings the people. Sometimes it takes a long time, but uh, it is a wonderful thing to Amen. share that relationship with God, that you know there's a God in heaven and He, and he cares about your life. Amen. That's huge. That, that, he, that He's right there. Then you then that fear goes away. Mm -hmm. You know, that fear goes away and you can say, yes. i got God on my side. I'm, Amen. I'm going to do this. Is, is nothing as encouraging as knowing that God has just intersected or interacted in my life in a very real way. Amen. Anyone else something you want to share as we close? Well, thank you for being here. Next week is Vision Sunday. We'll plan to be here for our normal morning services and then 6 o'clock, not 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the auditorium. And then we'll have a, a, a fellowship dessert after that. Uh, again, those of you in live stream land, thank you for watching and get well soon and hopefully you can be back with us uh, shortly. We're praying for everybody who is not feeling well, uh, but let's remain committed to the Lord, to each other, and to serve him with abandon.